We're going we're gonna to pick this up in, in, in kind of your, your uh, sermon series about the end times. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of step a little bit further in the, in the, in the text of Revelation. I'm going to read some of the verses that kind of drive us as a mission about the nations. Because um, the, end, the end reality of all of this is that the nations will know him. Okay, and so in Revelation chapter 7... Verse 9 and 10, it says, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from every tribe and people and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. So that's the end game. For the nations to know him, every tribe, every tongue, every nation, that they would be able to proclaim Hosanna, glory to God in the highest, glory to the Lamb of God. All right, let's pray, shall we? Lord, we love you. We thank you for the chance uh, to gather together as believers and those on a journey of knowing you, uh, to understand your heart for our neighbors and the nations, to understand your heart for us as your people, followers of you, to live our life on mission. And so I pray, God, that you would capture our hearts, capture our minds, all the stuff swirling around about next week and family and food and all the activities that go on these next several weeks. God, we pray that you would capture our hearts and our minds by your spirit. And we pray that you would take your word, the living, active, sharp word of God, And you would do spiritual surgery in us today. That we would not be the same men and women, boys and girls, young people that walked in this room as as when we leave here shortly. And um, yeah, do something deep in us today, I pray, uh, for our neighbors and the nations. In your name we pray, amen. So uh, just a couple of comments about living your life on mission as we kind of unpack this. Uh, today, the natural ending of worship, um, like a gathering for today, is usually consumer-centric, right? Like, we come together, we gather, we enjoy our time, we enjoy the community and the fellowship, hanging out, because it inspires and encourages us, right? That's the natural ending of a gathering like today. But what I want you to catch as we begin is this thought, the supernatural ending of worship and dwelling in God's presence is the mission of God. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about the vision and mission of God. Now, more personally and to the point, the supernatural ending of your abiding in Christ And dwelling in his presence moment by moment, day by day, is this, the unique mission and calling of God on your life, and it's it's uniquely personal. In other words, as as a mobilizer, which is my job now, technically I'm the vice president of mobilization, I'm a pusher, okay? I'm trying to push as many people as I can to catch a God-sized dream for their lives, Right? And where God would take them. And so, but I am not naive enough to 
to think that every person in this room is called to change your zip code, or they call it a postcode in Europe. You're not, I don't believe everybody in here is like at the stage in their life, God's calling you to leave your neighborhood, leave your zip code, and go to some unknown nation or someplace far, far away. It's uniquely personal. I don't know the stage of your life or the moment that you're in or the things that you walked in this room with today. But I do know that the ultimate end, the supernatural ending of worship and a moment-by-moment walk with God is to live your life intentionally on mission wherever your foot falls. And that means the neighbors that you work with or live by, the workers that you hang out with, the students that maybe you go to school with, the family that you're excited about hanging out with, maybe, I don't know, this week. Um, You are uniquely called by God to live on mission. And so the closer I am to Jesus, the, the deeper I understand who he is, the more I know him, the more I long to share his story with the people that God collides in my life, wherever, whatever the rhythm is, wherever my foot falls. And that's the unique mission of God. And so living in his presence should fuel mission. Living in his presence should fuel mission. And, and here's the cool thing. God is inviting you into a story that he's writing. This is where Christianity is not just wrote, tick a box, and just kind of hang out. This is where God is inviting you and God is inviting me into a story that he's writing. One that you can't even fathom or imagine. Your church is in a bit of a story that God's writing. One that you couldn't imagine or wrap your mind around a few short years ago when you launched in the middle of COVID, right? And so in in all of these things, whether it's personal or as bedrock, the church, God's inviting you into a story that he's writing. And this is, this is why Christianity is an adventure. And, a, and there should be wonder. Your heart should beat faster knowing that God wants to use you on mission. Both as an individual, as a family, and as a church. And so um, I want to unpack a few thoughts. That was just the intro, by the way. So just hang with me, okay? I told y'all don't have to be done at any certain time, so that's exciting. No, <laughs> guest preachers, we'll be done early. Um, so let me, let me give you this first thought, and the first thought is this, and this is kind of a lesson we learned in Europe. As the world slides more deeply into post-Christian culture, and everything that's happening in Europe is happening in America, and you're going to land in a place, and probably parts of Florida is more post-Christian than most of America, Right? And so the reality is this idea of the gospel moving at the speed of relationships, right? It's not about, it is, we want people to come to church. We want people to come to events. We want people to engage with you as a church. But the reality is the gospel, the kingdom of God advancing, the gospel moves at the speed of relationships. Now listen to this from Uh, a guy that's way smarter than me, Carl F.H. Henry. The gospel, the good news, is only good if it gets there in time. Right? 
It's only good news. The gospel is only good news if it arrives on time. And you think about the end times, you think about this church and the, and the lessons you've been learning from, from the book of Revelation, and you think about the moment that we're living in right now, and I'm telling you, man, the gospel changes everything. Jesus changes everything for, for individuals, for families, for communities, for cities. Man, one of the things we talked about last night was the, some of the things we've learned about Churches gathering together to pray for their city to know Jesus. The gospel moves at the speed of relationships. So listen to some of the scripture here from Paul. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8. This just kind of drips relationships to me. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our very lives as well. You see how rich that is in relationship? It's not about some thing you're trying to get people to come to. It's about you and me living our life on, on mission in such a way that we are light bearers. We're carriers of the gospel. And it, it, it is about that intrinsically, but it is also about doing life with people and the slow, slow process of transformation that takes place when the gospel lands in time. In the context of relationships. So 1 Thessalonians 2.8. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives, our very lives as well. Another very familiar passage, Philippians chapter 1, 3 through 6. I thank my God every time I remember you in all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this. That he who began a good work in you will carry it out into completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Paul knows his audience. He spent time with them. He knows them personally. There's a relationship there. The gospel moves at the speed of relationships. And so I, just some things I'd love for you to remember. I believe the gospel advances in relationships. In other words, when I carry the gospel into my co-working space or into my neighborhood or into the ball team or the swim club or whatever my kids are involved in, when I carry the gospel, the presence of Christ, the kingdom of God, it's advancing in relationships. And then I believe the gospel blossoms in relationships. And it's slow, especially in a post-Christian culture. It's a lot slower. People don't make quick decisions about spirituality and understanding who Christ is. And, and it's a slow process of the gospel blossoming. But watch this. The gospel produces fruit that remains in relationships. Right? It's not this, I made a decision, and that's the end of the story. It's, I made a decision, and it's the beginning of a journey to a destination of every tribe and every tongue and every nation knowing Jesus as we live our lives on mission. And so uh, we're in this moment now. We're in this, this, this moment of now and not yet. I mean, the, the king is coming. The king is coming. He's coming. And, and But here we are. And, and we're breathing, right? We're breathing. My, my heart's palpitating. And so what does that mean? 
It's the dash. Right now is the dash. I was born a long, long time ago, okay? And I'm in the middle of the dash, and I have no idea when my last breath will be. But I want to capture every moment, every opportunity, every last breath for the gospel to live my life on mission. So it's all about the dash. So how do you and I assure at the end of our life, at the end of our last breath, that we didn't waste a moment, that we lived our life on mission, and that we accomplish all that God's calling us into as his Christ followers. And man, that's, that's uniquely personal and it's uniquely wired to your spiritual giftings and your own abilities, but it's really, really exciting and it's what I call the great Christian adventure, not some tick a box rote routine. It's the wonderful journey of knowing Jesus. So how do we assure at the end of our days that we will not have wasted our life? Okay, to live our lives on mission. So I'm going to give you three images from Scripture that I hope you'll hold on to for a long, long time, beyond lunch at least, okay? And, um, and then uh, I'm going to give you one last challenge, and then we'll, we'll roll out of here, all right? And so the first one is, I believe if you and I are going to live our lives on mission, that we have to possess the heart of a soldier. So if you'll go to 2 Timothy chapter 2, Verse 1 through 4, Paul gives us a snapshot from Scripture about, he gives us really four pictures, four images in this one passage, but I'm just going to focus on one. So 2 Timothy 2, verse 1 through 4, you then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things you've heard me say in the presence of many witness, teach or entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. So that's one image, the teacher. Join with me in suffering like a good soldier. That's the one I want to focus on. So if I'm going to be someone that recognizes I don't want to waste my life, I want to live my life on mission, I want to possess, I want you to possess the heart of a soldier. Now, my father, I was born in Tampa at McDill Air Force Base. And my father was a, an, a pilot, flew B-52s. And, um, and so I... I, I'm an Air Force brat, okay? I'm not, I've never been in the, in the service. But I understand a little bit about the military just because of, you know, having grown up in it. But I do know this. A soldier in any branch, when his commanding officer gives him a charge, the response is yes. That's the first response. You don't have time to think about it. You don't have time to gauge it, or at least back then you didn't. You don't have time to go, well, what about this or what about that? When the commander gives the, the charge, the challenge, the command, the decision is made. Uh, back in 2020, when COVID happened, I got COVID in the fall of 2020. And then, um, you know, I'd, I'd seen the, the show Band of Brothers, like, bits and pieces. It's, it's brutal and gory. But I'd never really watched it, binge watched it, you know, from bounce to ending. And so that's what I did. Like I sat up in bed and watched it from, you know, front to, front to back. And uh, I, sometimes I'll even go back and watch it now because it's so captivating. And here's what captivates me. There was one moment when Captain Winters, they were in a ditch and um, 
he did a bayonet charge, right? Like crazy. In the middle of a ditch, there's an open field. They know the Germans are on the other side. And he says, he says this, this is what we're doing. And this is, he always said this, follow me. That's what great leadership does. Just say, follow me. What did Jesus say? Follow me. And so when he said that, those guys at their, at certain peril or potential death, they followed the commanding officer, right? And so one of the pictures I want you to hold on to today, one of these images of living your life on mission is this call of God to be a soldier for him. Now that has some connotations that aren't great, but I want you to catch this one. When a commander says, do this, our response is yes. And so one of the things I want you to wrestle with today is, is your yes on the table. Whatever God calls you into is your yes on the table. Have you already made the decision that no matter what he says, I'm willing to do whatever he calls me into? And that could be some of you. Uh, you're at a stage in life, maybe you've retired and, and you're like, man, I got loads of time. I got loads of energy. I got loads of capacity. What's God want to do with your life these next 10 years? Would you be willing to do whatever he invites you into? Maybe it's to serve in a deeper way with bedrock as you, you know, pioneer in a new setting. Maybe it's to go do, you know, three years on the mission field in some place. What about my retirement? What about my family? What about, that's not what we're asking you to think about right now. The commanding officer is tapping you on the shoulder and he's saying, hey, this is where we're headed. Is your yes on the table? So that's the first image, the picture of a soldier. And, and then Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, I love this passage because it talks about this, this tension of the call of God and the perseverance. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. Remember I said it's uniquely personal to you. What is God calling you into? Well, run that race. Run that race like a, a soldier with your yes on the table and a heart of perseverance. The second picture is um, found in another passage of Scripture, and I believe it's also vital if we're going to live on mission. Not just the, the heart of a soldier whose yes is on the table, but the heart of a servant that you and I would possess the heart, sorry, of a shepherd, that you and I would possess the heart of a shepherd. So you know where I'm going on the last one, don't you? Okay. All right, so pack that away for just a second. Uh, we'll get there in a minute. It'll hurt, by the way. Um, but possess the heart of a shepherd. And here's, here's kind of what I want you to see here. Um, in this heart of a shepherd, John chapter 10, verse 11 and 14, Jesus declares himself to be the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep, I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. And so when you and I begin to take on the role or the heart of a shepherd, we're seeing the world and our neighbors in a different light. We're seeing them through the lens of the gospel. In other words, every encounter, every opportunity is a chance for you to be used by God as a shepherd for your community, for your neighbors, for your 
friends, for your family. And so, uh, man, there's a few things I want you to unpack with me here. A shepherd is present. They're always near. They're ready to be near the people around them. A shepherd protects, safeguards. And, and that's a spiritual picture as well. Not just like physically protects, but are you safeguarding your family in prayer? Are you shepherding your neighborhood in prayer? Are you looking after and protecting? A shepherd leads his flock to nourishment. And so are you providing or is God using you as a shepherd to provide the bread of life and nurture people spiritually and look after people as a shepherd would? And then a shepherd knows and cares for his flock, the people around him or her. And so you have to possess the heart of a shepherd. You see the world differently. You see through a different lens. Um, we have a gap year program where we invite 18 to 25-year-olds to come to a year or two or longer. Honestly, the gospel moves at the speed of relationships. So the longer they're on the ground, the greater chance we have to multiply disciples. Okay, And so we have a gap year program and uh, we kind of fired it off in 2011, and it grew from like three in 2011 to about 40 uh, at its apex. And in the about the time that Blake came over with the team from England, we had several Liberty students doing life with us there. And um, we would basically, because the church is under-resourced in, in Europe, uh, they're, you know, they need people, they need believers. And so we would basically place young leaders with churches to help them reach a new generation. Kids ministry, youth ministry, young adult ministry. That's kind of the idea. And so we placed these two amazing young ladies who had just graduated, one from Cal Berkeley and one from Liberty, and they became roommates, and they were working in a really, really tough patch, as they say in England where we lived, and um, just doing life. And they came, they, you know, they cried out to God, God, how can we shepherd people in this community? And the Lord led them to start a Bible study. And so uh, they didn't just pick any book. They picked probably one of the hardest books uh, to, to take people through verse by verse. So they started a Bible study in the book of Romans, okay? Like verse 1, chapter 1, here we go, with a bunch of people that didn't know the Lord, all right? And they were made up of indigenous Europeans, what I call the new European, which is a, a Muslim immigrant uh, or a refugee. And, um, and so they just started having Bible study. And that thing swelled. And at some point, you know, I have this image in, in Acts where, where Paul was preaching and the houses were packed. And that's kind of what their little tiny flat in the north of England became, a place packed with young adults reading God's word. In because of the heart of a shepherd, the heart of a shepherd, that they would love people well, lead people well, feed people well, look after people well, and that's how the gospel moves at the speed of relationships, the heart of a shepherd. The last one, really quick, is this heart of a servant. Now, Jesus gave us several snapshots in Scripture. One is John chapter 13, one of the most dramatic passages that you can sit and linger over as a follower of Christ. John 13 through 17 is what we call the upper room discourse. And, and it was Jesus last night with his disciples. And they had been uh, journeying life together. And they had literally walked the streets together uh, that very day. 
And Jesus gathers his disciples in a room. And I'm not going to go through all the gory details, but nobody was wearing shoes, probably. Poor Galileans, mixed, mixed bag of folks. Probably, only one was probably had money and means, so he had shoes. But the rest of them had been walking the same roads of the livestock, same trails. And in, in that moment, Jesus gathers his disciples and he gets up from the table and he takes off his outer garment. There's so many spiritual pictures here of Jesus taking off his robe, his mantle of authority, and laying it down and picking up a towel and walking over to the basin, which was literally the lowest servant's job in the house was to wash the stuff off people's feet when they came in the house. And that is the picture of a servant. What do you do when you're the most important person in the room? You serve. You lay your life down. You lay your mantle, whatever title you think you carry, you lay it down and you take up the basin and the towel and you serve. And so Jesus was constantly serving those people as he showed us, he modeled for us what it looked like to be a servant leader. And so Matthew chapter 20, 26 through 28, I'm just going to read verse 28. The son of man didn't come to be served, but to serve and gave his life as a ransom for many. So John chapter 13 shows us the basin and the towel. And Jesus modeled for us the constant movement of his life to love and serve and minister to people. Philippians chapter 2. I want to read this over us today because this is, this is the picture of a servant. Chapter 2, verse 1. These won't be on screen, so just listen. Let them kind of wash across your soul this morning. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord or same unity of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. There it is. The heart of a servant who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Man, if you're going to live your life on mission, you have to possess the heart of a servant. You have to lay down whatever mantle you think you're carrying, and you have to take up the heart of a servant. I, I, I believe this with all my heart. The world outside of these walls is not interested in this book. But if you and I will take up the basin and the towel, your life and my life will be the fragrant aroma of Christ 
that draws them into a conversation of who he is. And then we'll get to this book. It starts with the heart of a servant. So three pictures that I want you to hold on to. The heart of a soldier is your yes on the table. The heart of a shepherd. Do you see people in your life through the lens of the gospel? And that you see your role, um, not as a busybody and like in charge, but as a shepherd to, to nurture their heart spiritually, to invest, to protect, to pour into. And then do you, when you walk in the room, do you see yourself as a humble servant? When you walk down the hall of your school or in your co-work space or wherever your life takes you this week, do you see yourself as a servant? Those are the three images that I want you to hold on to. And then the last thing is how in the world do we do this? How do we position ourselves for usefulness for the kingdom? Right? Those three images, hold on to them, but what happens next to kind of activate this, to kind of make this happen? Because I'm, I'm uniquely interested in why in the world God chooses to use certain people. Why does he? I believe it's all about positioning ourselves for usefulness. And there's some things that have to happen. And the first one is this. Are you healthy? Are you healthy? And there, there's a lot of things wrapped around this. The first one is, are you healthy spiritually? Okay, it doesn't mean you got it all together. Doesn't. Because I think God uses broken people to reach people. And so I'm not saying you got it, you've, you've maxed out your, your wholeness. I'm saying, is your, are you leaning, are you, is your trajectory towards wholeness and health? And here's what I mean by that. Are you treasuring this book? Is the word saturating your soul daily? So do you treasure God's word? Do you pray without ceasing? That's a command that we, that we walk with God in a spirit of prayer. Again, doesn't mean you got it all together, right? Just means that you're in the word, you're talking to the Father, and prayer is a foundation of your life. Are you practicing the presence of God? Again, when you come to faith in Christ, you're filled with the Holy Spirit. You should be knowing his voice, hearing him speak, walking in his presence, being interrupted by the Lord? And are you whole in that regard, listening to the Holy Spirit and then responding in obedience? That's another piece of wholeness, that as God leads, as God speaks, as you hear him speak to you, as you speak to him in prayer, it's a conversation. He speaks, you speak. And as you listen, you begin to respond in obedience. That's what it means to be healthy spiritually. Again, doesn't mean you're not dealing with stuff. We all deal with stuff. We live in this earth suit. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer Christ who lives within me, but I, the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. I am a, I'm in my fleshly body still until he comes. So, man, we all deal with stuff. But what's the trajectory of your life? Is there health spiritually? Is there health physically? 
Again, everybody in the room, man, we're all different types, different. I'm a, I'm a pair, like I'm an endomorph, okay? I don't know if you know what that means. I'm just, I'm like a bowling ball with ears. I mean, that's typically kind of how I've been my whole life. Um, but man, I, I work out a lot. Now, right now I'm not working out because I've had massive shoulder surgery. Um, and so, but the reality is I want to be in this fight as long as I can. And I don't know you know, we all have limitations. We all have different stages of life. You know, we all have things. But, man, is there an idea in your heart today that you want to be in this fight as long as you can? So you're going to take some steps to get right, like physically, with all that you can. God, I want to be used by you until my last breath. And so are you healthy spiritually? Is there movement for health physically? Is there health emotionally? Listen, the church, we've not done this well. We've, we've, we've not done this well. Man, if you need help emotionally, it is not a sin if you need help, okay? Man, there are people here in this church that love you. And if you're struggling, find someone to talk to today. We want you to be whole emotionally, okay? doesn't mean you're going to be perfect until Jesus comes. I don't think we will be. I just don't. I just don't think we'll be right completely until... Either we cross over or the clouds split, one of the two. Wouldn't that be fun? What if it was today? Wouldn't that be fun? Come on. I heard that, whoever said that. You know, and so, but man, is there movement in your heart towards emotional health? And there's a rhythm to that. There's pace to that. There's stop signs in your life. And there's, you know, arrows to move forward. Find people that will invest in you. And come alongside you um, and be the church for each other. Be the body of Christ. And so lean in emotionally. So that, that's one. Are you healthy? Two, is there a sense of urgency in your heart for the lostness of humanity and the world around us? We, honestly, y'all, I'm not trying to jam you up today, but we could get really, really comfortable in our culture right here. Right here. We could get really, really comfortable and lose a sense of urgency for the mission of God. And is there an urgency about the lostness of humanity and that Christ alone saves? Not your money, not your 4013B or whatever you got, but Christ alone that saves your life. What, what fires you up about that? What flips your switch? Listen to this verse. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all. 2 Corinthians 5.14. The last part of 2 Corinthians 5, God invites us to be his ambassadors. His love compels us and God says, I want you to be a part of this ministry of reconciliation. There must be a sense of urgency. The third thing is faith. What is God calling you into? That if he doesn't do it, it's not going to happen. That's faith. Everything else, we're just playing games. So what is he calling you into with your neighbors and the nations, with this community in Sarasota and beyond this place that is of faith? Because everything else, the Bible says, whatever is not of faith is sin. Man, that is a slap in the face, right? Right? That I am I living by faith today? Because 
If we're not careful, we get sucked into this relative realm of comfort and we don't really need the Lord. Matter of fact, this is a Francis Chanism. He says, why do you need the comforter if you're comfortable? You don't, right? Because you're just kind of riding the wave of our comfort. And so this is where, as a church, I believe you have big vision and big dreams. They're God-sized dreams. And so as a church, how are you stepping into faith to live on mission? As an individual, do you have dreams in your heart that are outside the realm of they can happen in your own strength? And if that's where you're living, if you're living in your own strength, then you're comfortable. And so are you moving to the rhythm of faith in your life? And so are you dreaming? Are you risking for the glory of God? And then lastly, are you available today? Is there a spirit of availability that you would say, God, no matter what, my life is interruptible. I'm willing to do whatever you want. And you recognize these last three thoughts. God intends to use me. Would you just whisper that to the Lord? Kind of almost as a prayer, God intends to use me. I believe that today. God intends to use me. I owe the gospel to my neighbors and the nations. Just whisper that. I owe the gospel to my neighbors and the nations. And then the last one is Jesus is worth it. He's worthy of your life. We sing that a lot. We talk about it a lot. But whatever that risk feels like, it's worth it. Can I pray for us? We're going to enter into a time of invitation, and Blake's going to come up and hang out up here, and I'll be around. You can come pray. The band's going to kind of lead us in worship or a band member. <laughs> um, but let, let's just... Let's just stop for a moment and say, God, I, I want to live my life on mission. I want to live my life on mission. I don't want to waste another minute. And whatever that looks like, however that lands, we want to invite you to respond to the Lord. Maybe it's in prayer. Maybe it's in prayer for a family member that's coming this week or you're going to go see that's really, really far from God. Maybe it's people you work with. I, I don't know. I don't know where you are. It's uniquely personal to you. Lord, we love you. We thank you that you're at work. We want to live our lives on mission. We don't want to waste a minute. We don't want to waste a day. We want the dash to matter. So help us to kind of understand the calling that you have on our lives as followers of Christ to take the gospel to our neighbors and the nations. And so that's one prayer. One thing for you to process today. The other one is, man, you've been coming to Bedrock. You've been hanging out. You've been on this journey of discovery. What about Jesus today for you? Has there been a moment in your life where you recognized him as King of kings and Lord of lords? That he is the Savior are going to become a follower of King Jesus. That's, that's the same invitation Jesus gave the people in his moment. Come.
follow me. So if that's you, and you know you've never met Jesus, and you're ready to step out and come to him, then come to him today. Or find Blake at the back at the end. Or find me up here at the, at the back or at the front at the end. And let's talk about what that looks like. Okay. Yeah, so Lord, we give that to you as well. Uh, as your people, we pray for those in this room that maybe don't know you or those watching online that maybe don't know you, that they would raise their hand to you today. Not to make a decision, but to you to grasp the hand of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and to journey until the dash is over. And what a joy and wonder that is. We pray in Jesus' name.